All right, if you mind turning in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 4. Today we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. <clears throat> be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. As a famous line from a book by a Puritan theologian named John Owen. No one understood that you cannot be passive with your sin. You, you have to actively fight it. If you give it an inch, it's going to take a mile. If you open the door just a little bit, it's going to barge in and take over. Owen understood that you have to get serious with your sin or your sin is going to start calling all the shots in your life. You must master your sin or your sin will master you. And that truth is made very clear in our passage today as God gives a warning about the dangerous nature of our sin and our need to conquer it. Now, the last few sermons, we have seen the horrible effects of mankind's fall into sin. And tonight, we're going to see that Adam and Eve's fall into sin didn't end with them, but spread to their children. And as we examine this first part of the story of Cain and Abel, we're going to see the spread of sin and the need for people to have faith in God and to have mastery over their sin. So please look with me at Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. It says, Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, Will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Lord God, I thank you for this passage of scripture, passage of scripture that is very sobering, very, very serious. And I ask God that as we walk through this passage, that we would both be convicted and encouraged. Encouraged that as believers, we do have the ability to, to master our sin and convicted as we recognize that we need to continually take control. We need to not let sin be in charge of what we do and what we say and how we think. We thank you for this passage and in your son's name we pray. Amen. If you want to 
better follow along. There's an outline on your bulletin. We're going to begin by looking at sons. Sons. Genesis 4, the first two verses says, Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. <clears throat> this passage starts on a very positive note, as the, the first woman got pregnant. When it says that Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, it's obviously not saying that Adam just knew some general information about his wife. This knew is talking about an intimate relationship. It is talking about deep personal knowledge of someone. And in this context, it's obviously stressing a deep, intimate, physical relationship as the result of Adam knowing his wife Eve was that she conceived and bore Cain. In other words, Eve got pregnant and delivered a baby because of their intimate physical relationship. And as Eve delivered Cain, she said, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. The Hebrew word for Cain sounds like the Hebrew word for gotten. So Eve is naming her son Gotten because with the Lord's help, she was able to get her son. Eve was acknowledging that God had enabled her to get pregnant, that God had graciously given her a child. God had promised in Genesis chapter 3 that an offspring of the woman would one day crush the evil serpent, Satan, the father of sin and death, and he would be defeated by this promised offspring. Well, God was showing his faithfulness to keep that promise by allowing the human race to continue, by allowing Eve to bear children. So by naming the first child Cain, by naming him Gotten, Eve, just as we learned this morning with Adam, was acknowledging that God was going to keep his promise. He had kept his promise by allowing her to get children. But Cain was not the only child that she had. The beginning of verse 2 says, And again she bore his brother Abel. Now the name Abel in Hebrew is the word for breath. And throughout the Old Testament, especially in Ecclesiastes, the word breath was used to describe anything that was temporary. Anything that, that didn't last, that was short-lived, was but a breath. Here for a moment, and then gone. In Ecclesiastes, it says, vanity of vanity. Everything is vanity. Literally, it's breath, breath. Everything is breath. Or as my professor paraphrased it, soap bubbles soap bubbles. Everything is soap bubbles. Goes up and gone. Now, we don't know why Eve thought to name Abel this way, but it seems as though God, in his providence, had named Abel this way as a way to, to foreshadow his very short life he was going to live, and a way for us to remember his life that was cut so very short. Well, the second half of verse 2 gives us a brief description of these sons' occupations. It says, Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. 
In essence, Abel was a shepherd and Cain was a farmer. God had made man ruler over the rest of the creatures and he had given them ability to cultivate the land and Abel and Cain were involved in both of these endeavors. And so besides for the slightly foreboding name of Abel, things seem to start very well. God has kept his word and the human race would continue. Eve was going to have offspring, which meant the promise of the serpent crusher was still intact. But we begin to see the effects of sin begin to show themselves in the children of Eve. And we see this in our next point, sacrifices, sacrifices. Genesis 4 Verses 3 through 5 says, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. Both sons brought offerings to the Lord. This was done to show praise. It was done to show thanks to God. It was a way to worship God. It was done throughout Genesis and, of course, was was mandated in a number of different ways in Leviticus. Now, Genesis does not reveal how this process started, but obviously Cain and Abel had been taught that giving these offerings was a way to honor God. And the kind of offering they brought reflected the kind of occupation they had. Cain was a farmer, so he offered fruit of the ground. And Abel was a shepherd, so he offered the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. But God only approved one of these offerings. It says, And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. Abel's offering was accepted, but Cain's was not. And a good question to ask is, why? Why did God approve of one of the sons and his sacrifice and not the other? Well, some have argued that Abel's sacrifice was accepted because it was an animal sacrifice and Cain's offering was rejected because it was just some produce from the field. But that is not what the text says. This passage does not say that God would only allow animals to be offered to him. And also in the book of Leviticus, we see that God accepted and commanded offerings of produce for certain occasions. Not all offerings were sacrifices for sins. There were other offerings that were done in terms of giving thanks to God and praise to God. The reason why God rejected Cain's offering is because of his lack of faith and his sinful heart. This is what we see in this text, and it is the reason that is stated in the rest of the Bible. We see this in the quality of the offerings the brothers gave. When when Cain gave his offering, verse 3 merely mentions that he gave of the fruit of the ground. But when Abel gave his offering, it does not say he brought an animal. Instead, it specifies that Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock 
and of their fat portions. In, in other words, Abel brought the top animals. The contrast is meant to show us that Cain was just going through the motions, but Abel instead was not just doing things externally, but was offering the best of what he had. It was not just an external thing to him. This offering came from his heart. We also see Cain's sin in his response to God's disapproval of Cain's sacrifice. Instead of humbly repenting, the end of verse 5 says, So Cain was angry and his face fell. Instead of being filled with humility and remorse, Cain was angrily filled with excuse me, was, was arrogantly filled with anger over this. And Cain was so angry that his face fell, meaning he was downcast. You could tell from his appearance that he was really upset. But Cain had no one to blame but himself. In fact, God would make it clear in verse 7 that Cain's sacrifice was, was not accepted because Cain had not done well. It was his sin that kept his offering from getting God's approval. And we see this affirmed in the New Testament. Uh, 1 John 3.12 says that Cain's own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. And in Hebrews 11 verse 4, it contrasts Cain and Abel saying, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. So the reason Abel's sacrifice was accepted and Cain's was rejected was not because Abel brought animals and Cain brought fruit. No, the reason had to do with their hearts. Abel had faith. He was righteous. His heart was in the right place when he gave that offering. But Cain, he did not have faith. He just went through the motions and his heart was filled with evil and sin. God does not approve of external religious ceremonies if, if our hearts are not in the right place. Proverbs 21, 27 says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he brings it with evil intent? And throughout the prophets in the Old Testament, God makes it clear again and again and again that external religion is worthless for those who have not truly turned to him. External religion is worthless if we do not have faith. Which means that going to church, paying tithes, going through Bible studies are absolutely worthless to God if we have not truly repented. If we're not following God on the inside, God's not going to be pleased with us doing stuff on the outside. Going through the motions is not honoring to God. An unrepentant sin in our hearts is a really big deal to him. Well, we see God confronting Cain's sin in our next point, which is sin. Genesis 4, 
verses six and seven says, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Just as with Adam and Eve, the Lord uses questions to confront Cain's sin and give him the opportunity to confess and repent. God asks in verse 6, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? God is showing Cain that he has no right to be angry and upset at God and his brother. And at the beginning of verse 7, he says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? Cain had not been accepted, which meant he had not done well. Cain had not given his offering with the right attitude. Cain had not acted in faith and righteousness, so God is revealing Cain's sin. And as he is revealing that sin, God gives him a very sobering and serious warning. He says, and if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain had already failed to properly worship God with his sacrifice, and now Cain's sin was ready to take over. Sin was metaphorically crouching at the door. It was like a, a tiger ready to pounce and devour Cain. The sin was not a, a friendly visitor. It was not a thing that could easily be hid in a, in a closet. It wasn't a passive thing. Sin was a deadly predator, ready to attack. And God told Cain, its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. God is contrasting two similar ideas here. Sin's desire was for Cain, but Cain needed to rule over sin, which shows us that sin's desire is to rule. Our sin wants to be master. Our sin longs to be the one in charge. A few weeks ago, we saw that same word, rule in Genesis chapter 3. And we talked about how the Hebrew word for rule here is not, a, is not a gentle word. It is a rule by virtue of power and strength. It often has the idea of dominating someone. According to what we see here, every single person has a beast inside of them. All of us have sin, and our sin wants to dominate us. It wants to be the dictator of our soul. But God warns Cain that he must not allow sin to be the one in charge, that he must not allow sin to have control. Instead, Cain must rule over it. We must become masters of our Sin. We must be willing to control our sin and tell sin to go take a hike. Dealing with our sin is not like a, a polite tea party where everyone minds their manners and speaks very civilly to one another. No, no. Going against our sin is more like a, a violent 
wrestling match where we fight to gain total control over it. If you want to gain some victory over your sin, if you want to worship God with a a pure heart, then you must be willing to do the hard work of dominating your sin. But we're going to find out next week that Cain did not respond rightly to God's warning. Instead of taking control of his sin, Cain gave the reins over to his sin and let his sin take full charge over his life. But we don't have to follow Cain's example. We can fight against our sin. And that all starts by putting our faith in God and putting our faith in his promises. Cain knew of the goodness and power of God. He knew of the the promise of the serpent crusher, the offspring of the woman who would defeat the father of sin and death, who would destroy the enemy of mankind. But you know what? We understand even more than Cain did. Because of our place in history, we know who this serpent crusher is is and what he did we know that the promised one is jesus christ the the son of god who who took on human flesh and lived a perfect life on earth who died to take the penalty for the sins of all of his people who sacrificed himself so that we could be freed so that we could be saved from sin and death and who rose from the dead, and offers salvation and transformation to those who repent and trust in him. Fighting our sin starts by having saving faith and then living out that faith, daily deciding to say no to our sin, to continually committing to to fight and prevent our sin from controlling us, regularly making the choice to take charge over our sin, to dominate our sin and not let our sin be dictator of our soul. According to this passage, you must master your sin or sin will master you. Lord God, we thank you that your word not only encourages us, but it challenges us. It pushes us to live differently. And as we look at this passage, we see the the challenge laid down that sin is a monster. And sin is a monster that doesn't live outside of us, but it lives inside of our own heart. It's in us. It's our sin. And it wants to be in control. That our wicked side of us wants to be the one in charge. And I ask God that you would help us to say no. That you would help us to fight. That you'd help us to recognize that this is this is going to be a battle. This is going to be a wrestling match that's going to continue until we see you face to face, that we are to struggle, we are to fight to gain control. And we thank you, Lord God, that because your promise of a Savior, because of Jesus Christ and his 
his saving work and his transforming work that we do have the ability to, to fight back. We thank you for that, God, and I ask that it would motivate us and it would push us to fight, that it would push us to master our sin. In your son's name we pray. Amen.